The following podcast contains language that is not suitable for everybody. Welcome to issue 126 of Super Skull. It's your weekly new comic day audio digest for the week of February 1st, 2017. Um, Happy Cream Anniversary. Thank you. Yesterday was the anniversary for Wu-Tang's Clan hit single, Cream. Cream. A classic, if ever there was one. Yeah, and I might be, I I, I was looking at this earlier, I might be, I believe it's 25 years of Cream. Cash rules everything around me. It feels like it's been at least a hundred years. That's how much it's been in my life. You know, I can think. I, th- I think I can listen to that song anytime. I think there's not a moment when I couldn't just put that song and enjoy it a lot. So it's like Billy Joel. It's, it's the opposite of Billy Joel. Yeah. So it's like Billy Joel in that if you think of the opposite of Billy Joel, okay. like something that's good and that you want to listen mm-hmm. to. The voices you hear are Marcus Schwimmer. That's me. Hello. Marcus, uh, thank you for joining me today. You're very welcome. And Curtis Sullivan. Oh, hello. You know what? Without the Wu-Tang Clan in general, Mm -hmm. I don't know where we'd be as a planet Earth. It's not a planet Earth I want to live on. You know what? Just the amount of things that would be different. I was- Incalculable. When I was a kid, I remember uh, I was walking down the street. I was probably 10 or 11 years old. I was walking down uh, Main Street, Ann Arbor, the mean streets. Of Main Street, Ann Arbor. Oh, it's, in it's the, hard. It out was there. the '90s, okay. The yeah. So it was, it was. They were cold streets. Yeah. All right. It's not what you what you kids think about today when you think about Main Street. And Ann the Arbor, nice Michigan. warm streets. The now. Nice warm streets. Shit was cold. Shit was real. And I was walking down the street, and this dude um, runs up behind me, shoves me as hard as he can to the ground, and he says, "Bring the motherfucking ruckus." Wow. It was right after. Enter the 36 Chambers came out, okay. and he was just really, really excited about it. Did he just run off after he pushed you? These other two dudes like came up to him and like pulled him away. <gasps> this guy was just so excited to bring the motherfucking ruckus that he had to shove me to the ground. Yeah, wow. the dude should have got his ass beat. And I had no context for that at that time. I was not super aware of Wu-Tang Clan at that time. Total stranger to you. You Complete did not know this guy. stranger to me, to the ground, Bring the motherfucking ruckus. I only learned later on that album was like brand new. Wow. At the time. And it just got got to him. He just heard it and it just, inf- yeah. It, he got infected. But now I understand. Did yeah. you ever see him again? Never saw him again. Wow. I will find him. Will you find him for me? <laughs> Justice will be served. How have, we, how have you Maybe guys like been? shake his hand and say, thanks for bringing the motherfucking ruckus Here, that one time. Are you saying, I don't blame you. I understand completely. And I understand. Bring the motherfucking ruckus. <laughs> Uh, what's up with you guys? Did you guys get uh, shoved to the ground in the past week since I saw you last? No, no, well, uh, we, we wrestled, but well, that doesn't that's that, that was, was that private. Was, that's camping wrestling. That's yeah. different. That's two dudes in a tent. Right. That's Con- different. Mostly consensual. Yeah. Not too consensual. <laughs> um. Hey, uh, I'm playing this video game called Resident Evil Seven. You dudes, mm. and I will say only this: if you like being more scared than you've ever been, then play this game. Sounds horrifying. God damn, it's scary. And I haven't played a Resident Evil game in like 10 years, you know, eight years, long time. Playing uh, scary video games is harder the older I get. I'm right there with you. Yeah. I think it's something in the same gene that now makes me cry at commercials. (laughs) Yeah. 
also makes video games hard, like scary video games harder to play. What I is, don't know what, what, what is that is. What is the last is. commercial you've cried at? What was the last one you really- I don't know, man. No, come on. You know. Don't don't fuck around. What was the last commercial you cried at? I don't at? know. So that what the last thing legitimately- Yeah. I, I think I fucking talked about this on the podcast before. I can't believe I'm talking about it again. But it was like- Chris Helmsworth was doing a. Oh, well, we went to go see the movie. We went to go see that movie, and it was like, it's like the real heroes are these kids who are in intensive care units. They're fucking heroes every single day, and I was yeah. like, I know they are, Chris. <laughs> it's the pre- I'm so yeah, sorry. It was the preemie baby commercial. Yeah, God for preemie babies, right. they're the me. real heroes. <laughs> And they actually, and they actually are, and it really, really fucked with me. No, yeah, I just, I re- now that I, I'm re- remembering because I was a preemie yeah. and was in an intensive care unit for a good chunk of the early part of my life, and I'm just watching this like, oh yeah, those are incubators, and Nick's like, ah. oh, it's fucking beautiful. No, it's uh, you know, now that Nick's really old and shit, yeah, you just mm. you, every you're just every second closer to the grave. The point is. Is that the video? They video games stress me out a little bit more than yeah. they used to. I feel them a little bit more than I used to. Can't binge them like I used to either. Well, no, 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 no. I'm on my journey to thirty. I'm I'm kind of coming to terms mm-hmm. with a lot of these realizations as I get older, and this this is definitely one. Did of you them. just say hashtag journey to thirty? I, I left the hashtag out, but yeah, I would like to announce to all of our listeners that you can follow my journey to thirty as I turned thirty this year via my hashtag hashtag journey to thirty. I can't stress this enough. <laughs> Marcus says hashtag journey to 30 probably probably 15 to 25 times a day. Oh, that's a bit of an exaggeration. It's like four. I You got to stop it. I know. I'm on you got to stop saying hashtag. I'm on a quest. <laughs> it's super funny. And, it, and I want, you know, no man should go on a quest I was alone. looking at my checking account the other day, hashtag journey to 30, and yeah. I noticed. Yeah, well, I'm trying to become an adult. And no man, th- no man should go on a quest alone. You should always party up. And you know, I'm just putting I'm putting a wanted ad. Adventure is needed. Hashtag journey to thirty. I thank the good, sweet baby Jesus Lord Christ every single day that I don't have an Instagram account so that I don't have to see this or or know what your hashtag I'm is. Get, so that, so that I can continue one. liking you. Yeah, well just say it. If you want to join, join the quest. Yeah, I love how thirty is not old at all, by no! the way. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> oh, it's the it. goddamn worst. I'm so I'm not ready for it. Wow. It's it's really not that bad. Life you, begins you at know, forty, baby. Everyone fucking says that. I'm like having a. I'm not having a crisis because I'm trying. I'm trying to improve. I my certainly li- hope not. I'm trying to improve my life <laughs> and just get to a better place. You know, you're saying that, but you're not blinking, and you look like you're about to have a full blown crisis, <laughs> yeah. like in this recording I'm studio. Just, I'm trying to like get my finances together. I'm trying to figure out what it's all about. Life. Trying to tighten up your butthole. Trying to tighten my butthole needs to get way tighter. And I keep, I'm just like trying to get, and everyone's like, oh, it's not so bad. It's not so bad. Like, it's actually jack shit. It's me, it's fucking meaningless. It's nothing. I don't know if it is. I don't know. What you know it, what the bet? You know what? All that it means is now when people ask you to go out to the bar, you can just comfortably say no. Yeah, is, you're just like, nah, fuck that. Nah, fuck that. Is I don't that the do present? That. The that's, present you get? That's one of the many presents that you get for being 30. You don't have to just go. You don't have to just go because you are obligated to. There I don't know. Go. I just feel like my man boobs are gonna sag. Well, that's gonna happen. And and it's oh, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm not. Well, I've I've learned disturbing news about um the man parts in general as you age, and they're all bad. Please go on. Well, your your sack is just going to continue to sag. 
I'm not hitting you. No, I believe it. <laughs> this is why I'm terrified of turning your, 30. Your, your weenus continues to shrink, actually. And uh, it will continuously get more wrinkled until you die. <laughs> so at, at some point... Hashtag... <laughs> Junk problems. So, but it gets, it gets <laughs> at some point. Like, what is it? The longest? What is it at peak? There's got a plateau. I don't know. I'm no. just, I'm so scared. You, balls to the floor. I know. I, it starts when you turn thirty. I feel like I feel like that journey I starts when you turn thirty. I 30. don't know how to move on from this, but we have to. Let's do some fucking in the news. We. Oh my <laughs> god. Let's do some in the news. Is there a cream I can get to try to stop that? I can I get some in the news uh breaking news bulletin sounds please from somebody. This week in the news, the New York Times has announced that they will no longer be including graphic novels and manga with their bestseller listings. IE graphic novels and comic books and manga can no longer be called the New York Times bestselling. Etc. That's fucking really? stupid. Yes, because there will be no way to catalog it. Uh, the discontinued list, this is from the New York Times. So the discontinued lists, and they, this is not all they got rid of. They got of a bunch of other got rid of a bunch of other uh, things that they were cataloging. Most of them were all related to genre specific stuff, quote unquote genre stuff. Yeah. Uh, the discontinued list did not reach or resonate with many readers. So they're saying the list that they got rid rid of, they got rid of them because they were not reaching or resonating with many readers. This change allows us to expand our coverage of these books in ways that we think will better serve readers and attract new audiences to the genres. Um, the books will be included in theory in their relevant list. So you know, if a if a graphic novel list uh, will you know if it rises to the top of the fiction list, right? Or- Science fiction or... Or nonfiction or yeah. whatever. It will be included in those normal lists, mm-hmm. but they don't get their own list anymore. The decision seems to be financially based, and they're promising to expand coverage um, of the stuff that they got rid of. Yeah. Uh, I This, you know, sucks. It's, it, it's kind of shitty. Um, you kind of get the sense by looking at the folks who are making these decisions that they didn't they had a hard time wrapping their heads around comics to begin with. I uh, Yeah, I feel like... You know, it's cool that I think in one way folding the list together is neat and everything's just considered kind of together. Mm-hmm. And maybe that helps comics just, you know, stop being this. The problem kind of... is, is that those numbers will never get high exactly. enough to ever get anywhere near probably the, the yeah. part of the list that people care about. Exactly. Um, the fact that comics are considered by the New York Times and um, folks in general as a genre is still just so emblematic of Curtis what do you mean by that well you know people think that comic books are are one thing they're this monolithic they're just superheroes or they're they're pap I don't know what they they're referred to as a genre unto themselves the medium itself is referred to as a genre the can you genre, define genre well genre would be a western or a science fiction thing or or a historical uh, fiction I mean just you and, know and so the problem is is that by lumping comic books in with a genre um, it's assuming that it doesn't have any breadth or you, that you can't have Western comics or, or horror, s- stuff or horror or, comics yeah. or superhero comics because there's only one genre and it's, and it's, it's comic, comic books. books. Yeah. yeah, when in fact it's biography, it's autobiography, it's historic, it's all of it. It's everything that a book is, everything that a film is genre-wise. It's all represented in comics. So um, a couple of the tweets from the Times about this happening, they, mm-hmm. they, just, they referred to comics in that way and I... Just thought it's very troubling. I, I think the vast majority of folks just don't 
read comics, they don't know what comic book comic books are, and and um, they just don't get the the dang respect that they deserve. Yeah, and the coverage of this, there was a tweet from um, one of the folks in charge of administrating these li- administering rather these lists, and who has been giving out the comments about it since these lists have been deleted. And they pointed out a tweet that she put out about March, which is the Nate right, Powell, right. John Lewis graphic novel that won a National Book Award um, and is like very visceral and and brutal and wonderful. It's a brilliant book. Um, but she referred to it, you know, she said, hey, kids, new young adult March is available for you now. Yeah. Referring to it strictly as a kid's book. As a children's book. March. As a children's book. Because it's a comic. Because it's a comic and, book. And there are a large group of people who think that comic books are just for kids. Equals they, kids yeah, exclusively. They can't wrap yep. their heads around the fact that maybe, yeah. just maybe, there's some real talent putting out good, academic-worthy fucking material via comics. And we don't want to... I'm not going to, like... I don't know anything about this person, and I don't no. wanna, I don't want to, like, paint them because of this one stupid comment that they made, but it does speak to the fact, like, well, you didn't read March. Clearly, yeah. you didn't... You're not aware of the acclaim that it got. You're not aware of who the audience is or who it's aimed at. You know, it's John Lewis. He's a sitting congressman. Like, yes. So, but if you can't be bothered to do that, and this is one of the biggest graphic novels we have... Right. For the past, like, three years, right? It's a huge, huge deal. It's an important work. It's a huge deal. It doesn't get much bigger than that in, like, graphic novels. If you're not aware of that, well, maybe maybe you shouldn't be administering a list of the best-selling well, graphic you, novels. You just, just want the, someone like the Times to, like, this is the moment. Somebody. Just please pay attention to the, how cool this book is and what it means and how, how important it is and know what it is. Yep. You know? We're for hire. New York Times. That's the thing. We, can we have all s- do it for we you. We have a variety of opinions. We're all pretty handsome. Make it happen. But you think pretty handsome plays a role? Well, yeah. Well, g- in setting up the bestseller list. Well, yeah, because like sometimes they might do the little illustration of our faces next to you know mm. in classic mm. New York Times bestseller style. How they include the editors' faces next. Is to that the Wall Street Journal list. that does that? Yeah, I, think I think it's the Wall, Wall Street, Street Journal. Journal. Damn it. Yeah. Well, no, we're just no we, yeah, we're full of good ideas already. You know, you can just use that face thing right there. That's a freebie. Yeah, you obviously don't know shit, so just steal it. Oh no, I love the New York Times. Please don't. I also do too. It's just when I see stuff like this, I just get bummed out. You know, we kind of. Yeah. I feel like we fight in the trenches for comics, and you just wish that like folks that are doing literary stuff would just really dig in and pay attention to this shit because they have, it's, they it's have t- influence. Yeah, it's yep. two steps forward, one step back for comics getting taken seriously and it has been since the beginning of comics, right? So this shit happens. What are you going to do? The real shame of it is that there are some creators that like being able to hang your hat on like I'm a New York Times bestselling creator is not nothing and that can change a career. That yep. probably helps a lot on a resume. Yeah, you yep. know, Raina Telgemeier has been a New York Times best-selling graphic novelist for many years now, yep. half, half a decade or more, I think. And um, it gets her entree into, and it allows you to open, it allows you to start the conversation with somebody in a way that other credentials don't. Folks that are into literature and that care about what the New York Times has to say, which ultimately at the end of the day, you know, you know give a shit or don't. Right. But it allows you to like have a conversation with that potential reader. Well, but it's also like what, you know, it seems that NPR pulls a lot of their interviews and a lot of their coverage from New yes. York Times bestsellers list. Yeah. So we want 
there's a crowd of people who read the New York Times and who listen to NPR, and we want those people into our world. Yeah. But for that to happen, they have to be able to gauge where the hot topic is, where the the interesting book is. And it seems that NPR does that via the New York Times bestseller list. And Probably a lot I, of places do, you know. And I don't want to belabor this for too long, but like, also, how can you tell that a list is not resonating yeah, the, the, with your readers? It's a list. I don't want to get, like overly rattled about it but it's a list you're creating content for your print media and you know it like i don't think it actually takes that much goddamn work to is it is it the ink it's got to be the ink right yeah. you know we can help pay for the ink right you know and you got to pay somebody to really pay attention i mean um paste magazine does like their end of the year list was so cool their comic book list yes and there i mean there was a bunch of other ones but you can tell. I mean, last year, 2016, you know, we talk about financially up and down and all this shit, but as far as content, 2016 was, was a banner year for comic books and graphic novels for readers of every single type mm -hmm. across the board, all genres, little kids, old people. It was a stellar year, um, and it's being done by other outlets. I feel like the New York Times, man. Guardian? You, you could, uh, Guardian does a great job. You, you could do this. It's important stuff. Mm -hmm. It's a huge, beautiful, American born medium ah i just i feel like a step back you know i mean so. yeah the guardian now is even doing board game reviews really so, oh yeah they have there a guy who is their full-time board game reviewer so like there is a there is an audience for it or also other people wouldn't be doing it so new york right. times we're here for you if you need us yeah holler. there you go all right well for every uh comic book that you'll never hear of now because it's not on the new york times bestsellers list which in, uh, there are a lot. So many. There's even more that release every week in comic stores <laughs> that we actually do need to sell. Please, fuck, God, there's so many. <laughs> we have to sell them. Um, and a lot of them are pretty good. <laughs> yeah. The ones that the New York Times then deigns to give a review of, you can call those our big picks. This week, but this week only. Buying. Marcus, what was your big pick? I have two. So I, I'm, oh, I, I just feel like I, you guys don't understand the rules of the I big pick. know. Um, so my first one, a little goofy guy. Uh, Star Wars came out with uh, Star Wars Darth Maul, number one. People give the, the Star Wars 1, 2, and 3 a lot of shit, but it seems like one kind of agreeable thing from him is everyone thinks that Darth Maul was dope. And he was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He had a stick with two laser sticks on Man, it. Man, you remember being in the theater, he's like, one side of it goes, everyone's like, all right, here we go. And then he does the second one for the first time seeing that. That no, shit was cool. Everyone was, was like, dope. what the fuck? It was awesome. But Darth Maul didn't get a lot of lines no. in those He's movies. not so much a character as he is a dual lightsaber puppet. I agree. Yeah, he A very, so very cool. impressive one. A he very cool so one. Cool. I know. He's the coolest looking fucking bad guy in all of Star Wars. But he's essentially a prop right. and a device. And a pl plot device. A lot of questions are happening now that Disney owns Star Wars. What is canon? What is not? We know the comic books now are canon. So they've given us a little bit more backstory on what's going on with Darth Maul, which and I it, think is great. And it turns out the backstory is he's very cranky he is kind of cranky he's got he has rage and he's the reason i know seething the, with rage the reason i know he's seething with rage yeah. is because on every single page he points out how much rage he I'm has i'm pissed he's, he's very angsty but well so here's the thing right so this takes place before episode one correct before there were two of him yes okay yes before episode one okay 
Um, but you know what? They're they're it's really smart how they're doing. It. They're tying in stuff. They're they're filling out lore for the the original three. There's some lore stuff going on for Force Awakens, which I think is really cool that they throw in here and flesh out. Um, and I just you know I thought it was a lot of fun. I've always wanted to know more about Darth Maul, and even if it's not the best written shit in the world, it's cool that they're filling in some gaps of the original trilogy and they're acknowledging them and they're giving a little bit more breath to what has gone on with some characters that maybe there, there were questions that need to be answered. And we know that Darth Maul has a bigger role to play. If you watch uh, Clone Wars and Rebels, he shows up in those. Now, so, yeah. I haven't seen those, not to get off uh, subject here, but he has like robot legs in that one. He does Correct. get cut in half and he's got like some what? cool Correct. spider robot legs he in does. that one. Yeah. Okay, and then cool. he gets regular robot. Yeah. He can't, he's, they, after he gets spliced in Twain, do you ever uh, you played StarCraft One? Yeah, StarCraft One. Yeah. Okay. Is this reference going to be useful to anyone except you and I? I think so. I think a lot of our listeners. Yeah. Remember the little protest dudes that walk around the dragoons? Okay. He looks like that. Okay. Yeah. So like spider legs. Spider legs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah let's call them spider so, legs. So um, either way, there is there is some really interesting kind of plot hooks that they're setting in here for maybe some Jedi. Um, there, you know, there's Padawan stuff going on. Maybe there's some Jedi who are training who are not kind of with the council efficiently or someone else is training them. That's super interesting to me. Darth um, Maul hates Jedi. He's so he, hard. He's, like, really not like into it. it's bananas. He can't focus on any, like, he's eating food. Yeah. Fuck those Jedi. I can't even. Taking this a fucking taco would be so much better if break. there weren't any Jedi <laughs> in the I think it's more he, he's looking for a challenge. I almost you uh, you know to me, and you will probably laugh at this, but I got a little bit of like a Ronin thing going on with it. Like he's a, he's a master swordsman, he's a master combatant. He is taking on all these challenges, trying to find someone who can match kind of his level and skill level. He's a living weapon, and I thought that and was kind of cool. He needs to be unleashed. Why won't you unleash me? I am so I have so much rage. It was it was. I thought it was a very fun book. I had um, a blast with it. it. It's super cool. Um, I love the backstory they're filling in with Darth Maul. I've always loved him as a character. I, I love um, the fact that every time there's two Sith Lords, right? So you got your one leader guy that you know about. There can only be two Sith, right? Mm-hmm. One one master and one Why is that, training. by the way? I don't know the rule there. but C- uh, Ego, probably? Something like that, exactly. But so you always have it's to- It's tough sl- to make up names for these guys. Ex- yeah, why. sure. <laughs> there's only so many Darth whatevers to go around. But um, I like how he's got his own machinations. They did that a lot with Vader in the recent Star Wars comics, where Absolutely. Vader has all kinds of his own shit going on. Yeah. Even though Palpatine's like, you know, an overbearing, you know, master dude all up his business all the time. Still his own man. He is. And uh, I like that uh, with this. I, I, I did have fun with it, even though it is like pretty, like you say, a little ham, hammy ham. Uh, yeah. Boy, Darth Maul's pissed. Ooh, he's pissed. I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna keep reading it. I'm very excited. I'll be back. I thought for it more. was fun. He plays like to the letter of his orders. Also, like my hands. I'm not touching you. My hands right in your face, but I'm not touching you. I'm not <laughs> touching you. You didn't say I couldn't kill this Jedi. Yeah, Emperor Palps. <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of fun. And then just real quick, I want to mention my favorite comic book illustrator, David Peterson, most known for Mouse Card, uh, came out uh, with a collaboration book, The Wind in the Willows. Um, his art is just, in you know, it's the best shit. Um, his line work is amazing. His coloring is amazing. Um, I, I just got to barely dabble in this book last night. It is a mix of illustrations and prose. These are, this is an illustrated prose book. This is not a graphic novel, correct? Correct. 
Um, and this is just the classic tale. This is the wind in the willows. With with his very nice illustrations, spot yeah. illustrations and, and character for design. For me, I think his illustrations are just a league above. I, I put him in a category by himself. So, um, yeah, if you're into his art or you want to see just some of the best art in comics, it's pretty rare that he comes out with stuff. Um, he's been doing some variant covers and that's it. But uh, I'll back you up. Check it out. His stuff is just... It is art in the in the best way. It's a very, very attractive book. Yeah. A lot of bookshelf appeal on that one. Very nice hardcover from Archaia and IDW. Good, it's the Wind in the stuff. Willows. Who, wind in the Willows. Yeah, if you don't like the Wind in the Willows, then I don't you don't want to hang out with you. Nope. It's just that easy. So your picks this week from Marcus were Darth Maul number one. Who wrote that that bad lid? Colin Bunn. Colin Bunn. Who drew that bad fella? Luke Ross. All who right. I don't know. He's done a few other Star Wars books. Has he? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's got a great Star Wars kind of aesthetic figured out. Yeah. What are those uh, rolling creatures? I don't know whatever they're called. But... I don't know if we want to talk about it because it's kind of a cool thing oh, to, clap it, to launch into. I, yeah. That is not a spoiler. I'm you calling. I'm putting the kibosh on that. That's not a spoiler. Yeah, That's right. a random monster. What is the name of those things? It's not. It's a. Um, um, Just like a Draclor. Rathars. The Rathars. Yeah, we get to learn more about Rathars. The big little roly buddy from uh, Force Awakens. Yeah. That Darth Han Maul Solo f- had. That hard- Han Solo has a really hard time with one of them. Darth Maul fucks up like four of them in this book. That part was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Also, I don't think that's a spoiler, buddy. I think that's a spoiler for you, but it, not, it for, not cool for your average like Joe. It was cool to go in and see that not only were they filling in the backstory from those, but it's also, they are filling in some shit from Force Awakens. I Tying that it was all really together. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Agreed. Uh, thank you for your big pick. No, thank you. Thanks for taking the time. Curtis? Yo. What was, what was your big pick for this week? Uh, my big pick is Will Eisner's The Spirit in The Corpse Makers, Chapter One. Nice. Yeah, that's a mouthful of a title. Um, but this is a new spirit miniseries by a dude named Francisco Francovilla. But I'm confused. Tell me why. Because you said Will Eisner. At I did. The top, yeah. And that, what is, I don't even understand. So, way back in 1940, this dude named Will Eisner uh, created a character called The Spirit. And uh, Will Eisner is a very famous cartoonist. He's been doing, well, it's his 100th birthday this year. Uh, you know, he has passed. 2017 is his 100th birthday. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, and dude made uh, just an astronomical amount of comics. He was in the military. He wrote field manuals when he was in the military. He did spirit comic strip for from 1940 to 1952. He's got books, Contract with God. Uh, his uh, book, uh, um, Comics and Sequential Art, is like one of the definitive, here's what comics are books. I mean, still to this day, it's 20 years old and it's unsurpassed. I mean, dude's a legend. The Eisner Awards are named after Will Eisner. He's one of the dudes, if you're going to pick some dudes that single-handedly moved the whole shit forward. Like, there are there are sea changes in the history of comic books where nothing is the same, and nobody made comics the same after certain people did their thing. Yep. And Will Eisner's one of those dudes. Yep, he's often credited as the first graphic novelist. Yeah, he's yeah. one of the first dudes to, like, look at the long form of what comics could be outside of, like, a strip or a short comic book or a short comic book story. Anyway. Dude's the stuff. He's great, great style, great art. He's influenced uh, generation upon generation. Um the spirit is a little more is sort of his pulp fun character. Uh, he's a guy named Denny Colt who uh, dies, but he comes back under mysterious circumstances. He's got weird powers. He's maybe a little invulnerable. 
Um, as the spirit. As the spirit. And he's a goofball. He wears a blue suit. He's got a red tie. He's got a little domino mask. He's got the best domino it's mask. It's a very, very good look. You know what I just realized? Yeah. What? Oh, may I humble brag? Please. We won a um, an Eisner Award for our comic shop a few years ago. It's called the Spirit of Retail. Oh, shit. I never... One did, time, put that together because I didn't either. Dang, spirit of retail award. That's, no, I never, never, ever yeah. thought of it. There it is, and I got to talk about our Eisner Award. There you go. <laughs> Please continue. It's the best thing. It's a pretty big deal. I'm still proud of that. Um, so uh, this book has gone on. Other creators have taken it uh, since Will Eisner uh, has passed. It's been uh, done by uh, Mike Allred. Um, there's a great couple collections by Darwin Cook. Mm. I mean, just the best of the best have worked on this uh, series. This new one is by absolutely one of my favorite modern comic dudes, Francisco Francovia. He um, writes and he colors and he letters this book. And it is such he does it all. A perfect package. You can tell that he's doing it all. It's all working together. Yeah, there's this great intro where it's a bunch of cops, so it opens, the title page is a big spread, it says the spirit in the rain in the background, and it's a shot of cop cars and their lights, and there's a body, and they're investigating this murder scene, and all the um, uh, word panels are done like notes from a cop's notebook, taking notes, and it's all hand-lettered, and it's gorgeous, and then it goes into these this beautiful panel layout that only uh, Frank Avia can do. Um, you know, he does those the same panels. He do these six-panel grids that are the same, but just a little bit different. When he's outside in the rain, the panel work is looser, and it's like it's melting together. And Correct. then when he's inside a structure or a building, it gets tighter. You notice? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, my God. No, and the colors are so beautiful. The way he colors uh, uh, light and the way light affects all the rest of the art, and a lot of it's just two or three colors. It's like blues and yellows. It's gorgeous stuff. Um so this is basically about, uh, you know, they're investigating this murder. These these dudes in cloaks, these mysterious dudes are uh, absconding with corpses. And the spirit must figure out, what in the heck is going down? I got to tell you, if you like crime noir with just a whiff of funny, and it's, it's hard to put your finger on why the spirit is funny. He's just sort of a goofball, but it's not a comedy. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little Dick Tracy. Little, little whiff of Dick little Tracy. Little whiff of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Doolin, the, the main cop guy, is sort of like, Spirit, what are you, come on. Yeah. Get your act together. You know, he's <laughs> way over the top. It's um, it's just glorious. And I got to tell you, if you haven't experienced uh, Francisco Francovia, this is a perfect spot to jump in. He did two other books recently that I got to plug really fast. He did Blue Beetle, or excuse me, Black Beetle. Blue Beetles from DC. He did a book called Black Beetle from Dark Horse Comics. Mm. That's like a 1940s, like, Nazis trying to steal an ancient artifact thing. It's incredible. And he's doing uh, Afterlife with Archie over at Archie Comics, which is the horror Archie comic. It's the shit. So that's my huge pick for the week. It's Will Eisner's The Spirit, uh, The Corpse Maker's number one. Check it out. It's just a little mini series. And if you know nothing about The Spirit, it's fine. You don't need to. You can just jump right in. It's a real nice uh, little crime noir piece. Will Eisner's The Spirit, The Corpse Maker. Z. Chapter one. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I also have a pick. Really? I'd like to share with you if I can. Oh, please do. It's called the Explorer's Guild. My pick for this week is the Explorer's Guild. It's a meaty tome. It's a meaty tome. It's not what I thought I was getting into. So behind the staid public rooms of an old world's gentleman club operates a more mysterious organization, the Explorer's Guild. 
the clandestine group of adventurers who bravely journey to those places in which light gives way to shadow and reason is usurped by myth. Count me in. I was, that was from the back of the book, a little blurb from the back of the book. The Explorer's Guild, the idea is that you can go anywhere in the world, any city worth its shit, Okay. and somewhere in that city, there's going to be a door. And on that door, just above it, there's going to be a plate with a symbol on it. Wow. That door will never be locked. You can always just walk in to that door. And the little foyer is going to look like it does. And if you had walked into one of these doors anywhere in the world, it's going to look almost identical. If it's cold, there might be a fire roaring. Gotcha. If there's ice available, you know, in that climb, then you might see here ice tinkling mm. in the little glasses. Okay. And sitting around this place and sitting around this room that you've just entered are going to be people that have seen impossible shit, just explorers who've seen the craziest shit that you've ever seen. And they're ready to talk to you about it. And this is a new series that is going to take some time with each of those adventures or the different explorers in the guild. Neato. This first one opens up on this. Uh, this is about a dude looking for Shambhala. Oh, the, Shambhala. The golden city of Buddhist myth. Nice. Yeah. Which you might know from so much Uncharted. I found that in a video game. Me too. That's, That's how awesome. I knew what it was. <laughs> Here's the crazy thing about this book. It is, it's prose. And it's comic books. It is both of those things completely and separately and completely. Yeah. So it is. It 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 opens up with prose and it's telling the story of this corporal who's on a mission to bring this message to this colonel. This colonel is so badass that they send him beyond the front lines. This colonel is like, it's kind of like a, some Apocalypse Now shit. Right. In a way. Or Heart of Darkness Conrad shit. Got it. This colonel is so far deep into enemy territory. He takes 40 dudes with him. They're the 40 biggest badasses that you ever that in the entire army. Right. And they're out there just wrecking shit. And this dude has been given a message from the high, high ups. Go give this message to that colonel. So we open up on this on this young corporal or captain. I can't remember what he is. He's on his way to try to get this message to this dude. And it goes seamlessly back and forth between prose and comics. Yeah, it's it's one of the m most amazing things I've seen. As I was reading through the first chunk of it, you're you visually you know that you're no longer reading prose and that you you've moved on to comic book, but it's done so well that it almost is unnoticeable to the brain. You're reading prose, and then you just effortlessly slide into comic format, and then you're back to prose. And sometimes there may be an illustration. There's some of nice some, spot illustrations. There's some, yeah. and, and there's mm -hmm. spot illustrations. It, the first description of the door that you're looking for that are in all these cities was so beautiful and so well written. I am like preparing myself to buy a bottle of scotch and tell the entire world to fuck off. As I dive into this book, I haven't been this excited for a book in a very, very long so time. So we get any I, number. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I feel like this book's got Marcus written all over it. It really, really does. Yeah, yeah. So oh. I, we every Tuesday we get a massive pile of comics and we have to blow through them. And sometimes I think you, sometimes there's a little bit of like, because we have to read it. We're going to talk about it the next day mm -hmm, on the mm -hmm. podcast. You're looking for good shit. You're thinking of what you want to talk about and what you want to point out we do actually think a plan for this you guys it's amazing I know. you the listener just so you know i know it, it doesn't sound like it but i 
I got I started reading this book and I was like, oh, this is not what I thought it was. I'll give it a few minutes because it's prose and I got other shit to read. And I didn't want to do anything else. My entire evening was like, all I want to do is wrap up in a blanket and read this book until I can't anymore. I just love it when that happens, man. Yeah. It's such a good feeling. It's just so unique in its in its flow and its use of, of comic and its use of prose. I've never seen anything like it. I, I'm, tr- it, I'm it, racking the brain, but I, ends, I agree. Literally, like the sentence ends, and the next, the then it becomes comic book, and then we have ten pages of comic book or one panel of a comic book, mm-hmm. and then right back into prose, and you can't skip one without the other because it's moving seamlessly in and out without really anything to indicate why, or or what their choice is between like why this has to be comic book and this has to be prose. It's just outstanding. Here's the other crazy thing. So this book is written by John Baird and Kevin Costner. Yeah. This is Kevin Costner. Well, wait. The actor? The actor Kevin Costner. You're full of shit. I'm looking at it right now. Like, this is what I thought. I thought, oh, this is a dude named Kevin Costner. I'm yeah. glad I got all of your reactions on that, tape. That... It's actually Kevin Costner. So John Baird went to Kevin Costner. This was supposed to be a movie treatment. He's oh. like, I have this idea for a story. Kevin Costner's like, okay, well, let's we'll, we'll, we'll kick it around, but... And they they pitched it to some TV channels. They pitched it to. Some say, it sounds like it'd be a cool show, like a TV show, even. Right, and that's what, and that was the idea at first. They couldn't get it off the ground. Kevin Costner's like, just write it, just start working on it. John Baird starts working on it. The scope of it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and then eventually, Kevin Costner gets involved in the creation of the stories and of the characters, and he's like super into it. And then eventually, they're like, well, we also has this has to be a graphic novel at the same time because this is the scope of it has gotten so huge. Yeah. So then they find Rick Ross. Not that Rick Ross, but <laughs> I wish it was that Rick Ross Wouldn't at this that point. Blow your mind if fucking Rick Ross did the illustrations for this book. But then they find this other artist, and he gets involved in the graphic novel aspects of it. Yeah. It's Kevin Costner. That's it's, so effing cool. What the fuck? Does Kevin Costner read graphic novel? I hope so. You know, I love Kevin Costner. I got no love for Kevin you, Costner. You will. You know, you have to. Have you not seen The Postman? That's your pitch? That's what you're going to go with for it's Kevin Costner. Such a good You knew movie. he was going to say that. You Not knew Marcus was going to say that. Field of Dreams. I love Field of Bull Dreams. Bull Durham. I love it. You went the postman. He's a, he's a rich man's Dennis Quaid, and I'll say it all day. <laughs> Field of Dreams absolutely is, is the, the only choice there. But um, Waterworld? I knew you were going to say postman. Postman or Waterworld. That's that's what's his other Marcus one where he uh, he is the the lone guy who saves the the woman dances with wolves dances with wolves it's oh brother one. seen it what seen a, them all that Kevin Costner wrote the most captivating <laughs> book that I've read in months I believe it it's I, I it's you, sorry go ahead it's a five part five part series so it's listed as volume one and supposedly it's going to be five parts long five beasts like that supposedly. wow I'm ready I'm ready for hardcover I'm ready for gold leaf I'm ready I want to. Just fucking lose that, myself. That's to say, uh, this cover here looks like a beautiful old atlas. It's blue, and then it's got gold and uh, of an atlas. It, it it's an incredible presentation on this soft cover. It's, it's I imagine a hard cover will be very handsome. It's too bad it couldn't end up on the New York Times bestsellers. <laughs> Never will. They can't now. I know You're it right. can't. You're right. It You're would right. have to sell so good. And let's be really clear. This is a. I think this is a John Baird joint. I think okay. this dude's doing the heavy lifting. Right. I think Kevin, Kevin Costner's name is clearly on it, and I think that helps in some ways. But it sounds like Kevin Costner was helping him 
right? Scope it and keep it tight and putting shit together. And this is a photo. Fo- we're just looking at a picture of him holding the Explorer's Guild. This is not fake. This he's a Renaissance man. Kevin, Co- Kevin wow. Coster. He's a Renaissance I man. I got to say, I like the idea of, so I want to go to one of these doors and just sit down and not go on these adventures, really, because just, I'm an, yeah. an old, sad man. But just <laughs> <laughs> tell me the tale, Yeah, you know? Maybe give me a drink you and can do that. Uh, you tell can me do a that story. By picking up the Explorer's <laughs> Guild for not but $18. What? A book that huge for only $18? All right, don't oversell <laughs> it now, buddy. It is amazing. I'm so excited to get into it. It's a yeah. good looking book. Anyway, that's our big picks for this week. We're Darth Maul, number one from Marvel Comics. Uh, we have The Spirit, The Corpse Makers, number one also. Don't forget The Wind in the Willows, also from Marcus, mm-hmm. from IDW. And the Explorers Guild was my pick, uh, by John Baird and Kevin Costner himself. I just totally blew it off. I was like, "There's no way." It, I didn't even for one second think it was that Kevin Costner, Kevin Superman's Tim, dad, Tim Jonathan Co- Kent. Costner. That's right. Oh yeah, yeah. That shit too. He's so diverse in his rage. <laughs> I'm I'm just going to have a hard time talking shit about Kevin Costner and I love talking shit about Kevin Costner and it's going to be tough going just forward. Just channel all that to Dennis Quaid. It'll be fine. I think this is an important lesson. Life is long and you can reinvent yourself many times over. There's many facets to any one person. You're you not know? wrong, brother. You can make some dookie. Yeah. Sometimes you can get jukey. Make a sweet book. That's beautiful. Thank you, Kevin. Those are our big picks. Thank you, Kevin. Let's talk about a listener question. Oh, cool. We do have uh, listeners. Believe it or not, there are we do have people that listen to this podcast. I've, I've seen data to support that statement, sir. Sometimes, um, sometimes people just stop me on the street and they say, you with the golden voice, where have, I, where have I heard that before? Where have I heard those dulcet tones? That sounds like bullshit, but that does happen. Super skull perchance? Oh. Are you Nick from Super Skull Show? No, that's never happened. That happened to Marcus. At a Meyer. Yeah. Cruiser store. Just once. Happens at the comic story. shop, but it's because we're shop. fucking talk about it all the time. Yeah. So I don't know if that counts. And you have a very distinctive you two both have very distinctive voices. We 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 were were made for radio. Yeah, with a f- with faces, faces like, like this. These hey, I mean at any rate, we do have listeners to this podcast, and sometimes they send us questions. That's the only way that I actually know that we have any listeners, because sometimes they just like, hey, I got a question. You know, and they come, I feel like this week we got like 59 questions all of a sudden this week. Did they pour in this week? I felt like yes. Well, here's the best one. Okay. Brett asks, what are your favorite crime comics? I've been getting into crime comics lately with titles like Criminal and Shaft, A Complicated Man but wanted to see if you all had any recommendations or series that you particularly enjoy or or have enjoyed. That is a fabulous question, Brent. We have so many. I had to trim this list out. I just started listing shit, and there was so much, but I I tightened it up. Here's some of our our favorites collectively. Uh, Let's start off with the Parker series by Darwin Cook. Uh, Darwin Cook adapted a very famous series of novels from a guy named Donald Westlake, very famous 50s horror, or excuse me, 50s um, noir writer. His stuff's been adapted into TV shows and multiple movies and stuff. Darwin Cook was the only guy to ever get the name Parker. His stuff was so good. He drew up a little treatment. He took it to Westlake and said, I want to do this as a graphic novel. He was like, cool, you're the only dude who can use the name Parker. Because it's been adapted a bunch of times. 
never, but never called Parker. Parker. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that is a stellar series. There's five books in that series, all written and drawn by Darwin Cook. Stellar, stellar stuff. Really 50s style, you know, a dame walked in and I knew she was trouble type crime noir. Yeah. Great car chases. One of the stories is called The Man with a Getaway Face. Dude gets betrayed at a bank robbery. He's left for dead. Years and years go by. He plans this ultimate revenge. He gets a facelift. He looks totally different. He comes back, gets everybody, gets the money. It's great. Um, Parker. Parker. And there's a whole series. There's how many of those? There's five. There's five of them. Yeah, they're, and they're, they're great. They're available everywhere. Check those out if you go in for that style of crime book. Next on the list. Well, I want to ask Marcus. Yeah. What, was, what about you, Marcus? What oh, springs to mind? Well, I picked... So this one surprised me quite a bit. Um, I picked the book of Thor's. Thor's came out of mm. Secret... Uh, Secret Wars. Secret, Secret Wars. Wars, sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Came out of Secret Wars. When Secret Wars happened, Marvel stopped all their production of all their mass books, and everything went into Battle World. Mm-hmm. And out of Battle World, some really dope shit came out. Um, and one of the, the best, in my opinion, was Thor's. So in this world, all of the Thor's are like the police force. And someone is picking them off, and it's a procedural, it's a procedural cop yeah. drama about about where, about the what where the Thors are the cops. It's, so it's like a police station, but it's all Thors. Thors, yeah. yeah. You got Frog Thor. You have Ultimates Universe Thor. You got Jane Foster Thor, and they're all just trying to figure out who's kill, who's killing the Thors. And it goes into what is one of the best crime books I've read in a very long time, sweet. even though it has this ridiculous premise. It's a sweet curveball, dude. That's it's, a good crime that is. book. Yeah. No, that's Jason Aaron. Yep. So my dude can write crime, and it's just such an unlikely crime story. It was totally different. They tried a bunch of weird stuff out of this battle world, and the two best things to come out of it was Thor's and Weird World. The two farthest, weirdest, craziest books yep. were just the best. And it, it really what are the two that I continue to recommend to people even after Secret Wars has, has ended. But Thor's is just a great crime book. That book should not have worked. It, it should killed. not have worked? Yeah, just killed it. Jason Aaron. Jason Aaron. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't put Jason Aaron on a Thor book. He'll Yeah, he'll do it. He'll Because you know he'll do it. Yeah. yeah, I just picture him drinking a ton of coffee, watching The Wire... You know, like four o'clock in the morning, watching the wire and being like, "Oh shit!" What I if have these a were great... Thors? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a great idea. You know what I like, Thor. <laughs> awesome. What else we got? I'm gonna go with mine's kind of a gimme, mm-hmm. but it's a good gimme. Scalped. Oh yeah, another Jason Aaron book. Another Jason Aaron book. Dude writes good crime. Great crime. R.M. Very good crime. R.M. Guerra and Jason Aaron. Scalped is the story of a dude who grew up on an uh, Indian reservation out in, oh, I want to say in the Dakotas somewhere, South or North Dakota. I cannot remember which one. But he, he, he grew up there, lived there his whole life. He left. He comes back, and he's an undercover FBI agent. Yep. And that's the first issue is we learned that. You know, he's he, he, he's trying to see what's happening on this Indian reservation. And in this time, a crime syndicate has arisen that, like, touches absolutely everyone that lives there and in the surrounding areas and the police from the surrounding areas. And in getting to the bottom of it, this dude's life is completely ruined. The lives of everyone around him are, like, ruined and illuminated. It's filled with the each character is, like, better than the last you can't hate anyone. You can't help but empathize with all of these characters, even as they're like despicable and horrible. Yep. 
there's I would put this up against any crime book I've ever read. It's one of my favorite books of all time. Yeah, what I love about Skelt is that he's an FBI agent. He's undercover, but he's kind of a shitty FBI agent, and he's not. He's a little green. He's he's green. Yeah, he's green, but he's also like he's in. It's too close, right? He should have his family and his where he lives and his friends. No, and and his high school girlfriend. And he should have never been assigned this case. Yep, because it's way out of like scope. Yep, and he's not that great. He's new, and it's it's. But you just root for him in the best way. Yep, and Um, the way that he changes over the course of it. Ah, scalped. Yeah, I remember shitting my pants reading this comic because the tension level is is, is so high. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you just you're in this book. I remember reading this book and just uh, this dude is about to his cover is seconds away from being blown every other five minutes. Mm-hmm. It's it's very tense. And then Jason Aaron does this really cool shit where he just leaves that character for twenty issues. Yep, yep. And he'll go hang out with somebody else. He'll go hang out with the big bad guy, and now it's his book. And yeah. he's not the big bad guy. He's the protagonist now. And maybe he's trying to do his best in a lot of different ways, but he is also fucked in a thousand different ways that we didn't know about. And then we'll leave him and go hang out with somebody else for 10 or 15 issues. Jason Aaron just, he knows these characters so well that he has the guts to just let them all breathe and come to life. Yeah, he, he knows their their stories 10 years ago. Yes. Yeah. You know, and can fall into that. Like, no problem. Yeah, it's crazy. He kind of showed it in Scalped, and then I would argue refined it and mastered it with Southern Bastards. He's, it's going to be hard to say, because Scalped was a 60-issue run. It right. had a yep. long time to breathe. Mm-hmm. We are, do, how many issues into? 15? 15 into Southern Bastards, and I agree with you. I think it's only, it's it's starting off just as strong, if, if not stronger. Right. Yep. So... Brett, thank you for the question. That, I had a lot of fun mulling this one over. Yeah. Does I, anybody have any other last kind of sleeper hits that they don't want to miss? Well, I just wanted to throw out, there's a book called Torpedo that uh, is in print that's been in the store for years and years. It's been recommended by some of my longtime comic buddies. Uh, this is Enrique Abuli and a guy named Alex Toth and Jordi Bernay. And these are three of the most talented people ever to work in comic books. And this is about a hitman. Uh, who uh, is t- takes his job, does the hit, and then he has to get away. So it's kind of these short, sweet stories about this hitman over and over again by like three of the classiest artists in the business. I've never read this, but it's in print. It's the next crime book I'm going to read. Nice. So that's Tor- Torpedo. Torpedo. Yeah. Cool. Can't wait to check it out. On that note, let's waddle over to the board game corner. Whack, whack, whack. Well, you guys- <laughs> There are ducks here. There are ducks How here. How did the ducks get in the board game corner? That's weird. You gotta stop letting ducks in the board game. I know, corner. but they're so cute. They can't. They're terrible at board games. First of all, I'm you're saying. right. But when they just stare at you, you just have the confidence to make those bold moves. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. So I'm. I played a board game. You played a board game. <laughs> <laughs> Not with us. I did. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Do tell. It's called Inish. Inish? Inish, in it. Is it? <laughs> I thought it was Inis. It's pronounced Inish, like it, S-H at the end. Oh. I learned. Is it okay. Gaelic? Yeah. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck, fuck yeah. it. Yeah. <clears throat> this is a game about becoming a Scottish lord or something. I really buckled down on the research for this one. <laughs> but you, you think you, it's a Scottish lord is what you... You're trying to unite the clans for sure. Okay. It's definitely happening in an... 
Irish or Scottish type situation. Yeah. Okay. For sure. <laughs> the theme- there's some moors, there's Listen, some kilts. Th- it's exactly right. There's yeah. A, that's besides the point, though. The, the theme of it is besides the point. Uh, the premise of this game is that everybody wants to be king. Yeah. Naturally. Right? It's good How to be could course. you not? It's good to be the king. Yeah. But it's not a game about conquest. It is a game about building up armies, and it's a game about having battles, and it's a game about expanding territory and spreading out into different territory. The goal of the game is not to wipe out your opponents, though. Basically, you need to prove yourself to just be sweeter at being king than everybody else. And if there's a moment where you are sweeter at being king than everyone else, and you are just the sweetest at it, you can actually say, hey, I think I'm the king now. You just raise your hand. And if the results bear that out, then you win the game. Wow. The the win conditions are really, really interesting. So at the end of, at the beginning of every turn, we check to see if anybody won. First of all, to have won, you had to have said on the previous turn, you take the, uh, oh God, I got to look it up. I'm sorry. I thought I could just freewheel this. The king stick. The king crown. The king chair. You have to wear the cone of the king. Oh yeah, where is this? We don't, I don't even know. Looking at this box, I'm like, is it Celtic? It's Celtic history, and I knew that the whole time. I was having a, it was a fun goof. Yep. We're back into it now. So, in order to become the king, first of all, you have to have taken the pretender token. You're pretending like, hey, I'm the king. I'm the king. And because this is the thing, this is the historically what was happened. Like, there's when there's a lot of different clans and powers. Like, one dude might just say, like, I am the king of all of this. Just roll up on wherever and be like, exactly. hey, yeah, it's the, I'm yeah, the king. you're in my shit. This is, I am the okay. king. But in order to successfully do it, you have to have, when when if you have taken one of those pretender tokens, and by doing so, you've like lost your turn, basically. You, you, you've oh. sacrificed an entire turn to like take a pretender token because you're that confident that on the next turn, you're going right. to win. Got it. And at that point, we check for these win conditions. You might have more little army figures out on the board than everybody else. You might have your clans spread out on the board more than anybody else. Or you might control more shrines than anyone else. Am I losing you guys? No, no those are the all. three things you need to be king. Those are the three things that you could do. But if you have the pretender token on from a previous turn and you satisfy more of those things than anyone else, then you just won the game. Bang, I'm king. And you are king. Over. So if somebody, if I'm playing with Marcus, Marcus might take that pretender token and I'm like, my mind is racing now. It's like, why does he think he just won? What did he just do? Or what is he about to do that he's gonna that he thinks he's gonna win the game? And now I'm scrambling. I'm trying to get his stuff off the board. Maybe I'm trying to like take territory over, but I don't know what he's got planned or what he uh, what he knows that I don't about his turn. Sounds great. It's really really interesting. And the last thing I'll say about it is it has a drafting mechanism that is so simple that I've never seen in another game before. So the whole game is run by cards. Everything you want to do on your turn is on a card, yep. right? And we start out the game, we all have a hand of cards, and we pick one, we put it down, we dra- and we pass it. Okay. You've seen this in other games before. Yes. Sure. And we're crafting your hand. The neat thing about it is, so I put that card down, and Curtis gives me a new hand of cards. I pick that card back up, and now I can get rid of any of the ones that I'm looking at, but I have to keep two. You're not, in other words, you're not locked into what you previously grabbed in the draft. You can for you can like craft your drafting as you see what shows up in your hand. Wow, sounds great. It's yeah. really really interesting. And and when I was looking at this game, I have to say it has a really unique art style. The art style I love. Some people do not love it. I know. I love the art style. I'm I'm right there with you. But the internet, 
I mean, it's the internet, so there's it's full of shitheads. But some people were really dogging on it. I think it's unique. I think it's beautiful. It sets the scene. I think we need more games that look like this. It's just kind of weird and neat looking in and of itself. Curtis, who would you compare this to, like artist wise? Is there can is it speaking Man, to you at all? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, immediately it just reminds me of like first edition Dungeons and Dragons right. stuff. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's got a great color palette. It's vibrant. Um, it's not meticulously overdone. Exactly. Um, that it, no, it's very very sharp. Yeah, uh, but it's like colored pencil. You know, yeah, uh, is the is the medium? It looks like it's very very good looking box. Also, should say the interior does not look like that at all. No, the the interior components are is a totally different. It's beautiful, really yeah. nice components. Does not look like the the cover of the game at all. So I'm seeing a couple. Is there, are those lutes? Are those liars? Is there a music component to this game? Oh no, not at all. Those are awards that you can use in the game to satisfy one of the win conditions. Got it. You have to earn them in the game. Um. It's really, really interesting. And the way that the fights work is you can just agree to stop fighting. So if you are in, if you go into a place where, or I'm going to where Curtis is, and mm-hmm. now we both got clan members there, um, we're going to fight. Automatically, we're going to fight. But at any moment, we can just say, hey, do you want to stop fighting? And just stop fighting, and our dudes just stay there. Oh, I like that. Or we can keep going. And you might say, like, hey, I think we should stop fighting right now. I'm like, no, well, fuck you. I think I want to fight a little bit more. But we can at least have a conversation about it and go, well, yeah, but do there's we want no to? dice rolling and it's going to cost me as much damage as it costs you probably unless one of us so one of us could retreat and just leave and peace out or we can keep killing each other or we can just both like, hey, do you want to just stop fighting? It's really it's, interesting. It's got three or four things that I actually have never seen in a game like this before. Yeah, it sounds a little diplomacy-esque. A, a very little bit. A very little bit. I love that cuz I I love some things about diplomacy, but I don't ever want to fucking play diplomacy again in my entire life. Yes. But this idea of, like, we can just stop, or, you know, we are negotiating. I am king. Are you? I don't fucking, you know, like, yeah. I like that shit. It's a little more baked in than I'm making it sound. Yeah. It's, like it's a little more mechanical than I'm making it sound, but I really, really liked it. It's it's a really cool take on the let's mix them up and fight kind yeah. of game. Can I ask you some questions about this game? Oh, you mean our patented five questions? Yeah. Four out of five? Can I ask you my, my four out of five? Yes. How long did it take to learn this game? Very quick. Learned it very quick. Learned it within a half an hour. And, and was playing? Yes. Interesting. First time. Were you ever bored? Be honest. <laughs> Don't yeah. bullshit us. Um, the only thing is that there's absolutely nothing to do on somebody else's turn and the turns are very meticulous, so they take a long time. So yes, sometimes while waiting for turns, I was bored. Uh, can you play this game with your grandma? It's not a game that I would play with people that are not into board games, for sure. A little board gamey. A little board gamey. Okay. And my grandmother hates the Celts. Oh, oh bummer. Yeah. Would but I... only ancient Celts. Not current ones. But not current ones. She hmm. loves contemporary hmm. Celts. Go figure. Would I, Marcus like this game. You would adore this game. Both for the theme and aesthetic and for the uh the the diplomacy elements, I think. Once the Viking expansion comes out, we'll talk about it. Yeah. How much is this game? Is it a rip off? It is an expensive game. I didn't look how much it cost. <laughs> I only have to answer 4 out of 5, right? No, let's look it up real quick. I think it's 60 clams. Uh this game costs a mere Pittance of yeah, it's seventy bucks. Boy, seventy dollar board game. That's a worth it. I wow. think it's a, it would it's 
pretty good at 70 bucks. I I would like to see it a little bit closer to the $50 range, but that I might be old-fashioned in what I think a board game's worth. Although for this art, it's really pushing it. It's a $60 board game, let's say that. $60 board game. Sweet. Yeah. I think it's fair. I re- when I mean when I was ordering this game initially, I like got one. I was like pe- only super fucking history board game nerds like me are going to be into this game. Mm-hmm. And then it came and fucking disappeared immediately. And I was like, oh, I might have fucked this one up. Yep. And it turned out to be one of the most just reviewed and revered games at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's medium to not unavailable right now. Totally unavailable. Yeah, we haven't been able to get it in a minute. Yep. Totally yep. unavailable. Got it. That's our board game review. Neat. I don't have anything else except for like, um, do you guys have any... Um, turn-ons that you want to share with me just in general in general yeah um i uh if i'm chilly uh-huh. and you know about it mm-hmm. and you just bring me a blanket i don't have to ask for that blanket oh automatic blanket service huge turn-on wow oh wow that is cool. nice yeah nick any random turn-ons you want to share mm-hmm. nope okay cool. but how are you curtis I'm great. I'm really great. I'm super turned on just generally right now because of the of the garlic, the palpable garlic stench in the room. Well, how about you? This how about tiny you, little room. You give the listeners a turn off. A turn off for me. Yeah. What's a turn off? Wet socks. If they're wearing wet socks. No, if I'm wearing wet socks, it's a huge turn off for me. You just can't get it going. I can't get it going. I can't get it started. Like I mean, it's sexy in here, but man, my feet are wet. So it's not happening. That. Is absolutely going to do it for us today. Our producer and editor is Rachel Polk. Our music was created by A Bomb. Super Skulls recorded every week at the Ann Arbor District Library. That's true. Would you please subscribe and download and review the Super Skull Show on iTunes? If you would do that, please. You can find us on our website and Twitter and on the internet. Super Skull Show is how you find us. Super Skull is brought to you by Vault of Midnight. Earth's finest comic books and stuff and podcasts since 1996. My name is Nick Weibar. I'm Mark Schwimmer. And I'm Curtis Sullivan. And thank you, Kevin Costner. Until next week. I just didn't know we'd be thanking Kevin Costner this week. That is such a great curveball. On a scale of one to absolutely, how much do you want to go back and rewatch The Postman? Like zero. <laughs> Full of shit. No, it's, it's total good. How dog can I erase shit. It? How can I erase it from my it's mind? It's so good. It's a film that really shows how important the U.S. To- Postal Service is no, in the no, apocalypse that no, is bound to happen. No. One man can inspire hope into those who have survived by being one thing. The postman. He's just such a dick sucker. You're a dick sucker!